the voice of reason, the voice of alarm, the voice of stats, the voice of scouts, the voice of Kool-Aid, the voice of dismay, the voice of Davo. Could it be that the Royals are the hottest team in baseball right now? Well, not really, but kind of. They do have five wins in a row, the current longest streak, and they're 14 and 10 since the All-Star break. Playing some good ball right now. It's Davo, and I'm glad you're along for another edition of Your Dish on Clubhouse Conversation, the place where we catch up with all your favorite current and former Royals players. And still have a couple more current Royals to go from the big league roster here as we finish out September. We'll have those coming up here in the next couple of weeks and then get back to our former players throughout the winter. But for now, it's time to talk the current Royals on the latest edition of your dish here. And I want to begin with where the Royals are currently at after a nice butt-kicking of Baltimore. Any questions about the Royals being on the same level as Baltimore have been completely answered. It ain't even close. The Baltimore Orioles are inept on a completely different planet during the 2018 season, especially in the second half without your Manny Machados and Jonathan Scope, and you go on and on. The team is not the same team it was, obviously, in the first half, which wasn't good either. Remember that time the Royals went there and, what, hit the three home runs in the first inning, put up a 10 spot? That was fun back in the day. Seems like all of our great memories this year have come against Baltimore for the most part, including an awesome walk-off home run from Whit Merrifield, scoring Brett Phillips, who can forget that on Saturday night. Loved this weekend out at the K, and the Royals get set to take on the Cleveland Indians starting here in just a little bit this afternoon on Monday. It's Labor Day. Happy Labor Day to you. But let's get into this here and talk about where the Royals are at in the standings real quickly. Any dreams of the number one pick are gone. Baltimore will be lucky to win five more games the rest of this month. The Royals, speaking of five, are five wins ahead of them. So that ship has sailed. It looks like the Royals have secured the number two overall pick with Miami and San Diego, the next closest teams, and they're nine wins ahead of the Royals. So it would be near impossible at this point for the Royals to get anything but the second pick in next year's draft. So we can kind of quit thinking about that, and we can be excited about how the Royals are finishing out this season. And we'll talk about a number of the key players that have come over and the young guys and September call-ups and all that good stuff here coming up in the next 15 or 20 minutes right here on your dish. So let's start off with some kind of bad news, and that's Jorge Soler. I'm sure you've heard by now his left toe fracture not broken again, but did have a setback on his rehab with Omaha, who ends their season today in New Orleans. So Jorge Soler will be done for the rest of this year. We will not see him again, hopefully until next spring. And that's kind of been the knock on him since the Royals got him, hasn't it? Could never stay healthy. Same thing up in Chicago. We've seen it here in KC. So we'll find out a lot about Jorge Soler next year. If we see more injuries next year, that ship to me has almost sailed at that point because of where he's at in his career. Um, if you can't get on the field, you just don't do your team a lot of good. And the Royals have a number of outfield options. Now, what the Jorge Soler injury does do for Ned Yost this September is makes things a lot easier, much less of a headache for Ned Yost as he tries to put a lineup out there every day. Because you're never going to have Alex Gordon in the lineup every single day, right? you got Brett Phillips, you got Brian Goodwin, and then you've also got Jorge Bonifacio in there. You want to squeeze in some, you know, since they're insistent on playing Escobar, you've got to play Merrifield every once in a while in the outfield. You've got to play Rosel Herrera every once in a while in the outfield, although he's pretty much now fully an infielder. So, you know, having Soler in there, too, would have been quite a number of hitters you had to get in the lineup every day, especially if you add somebody like Frank Schwindel. You know, losing Lucas Duda helps out a little bit, and, and losing Soler certainly helps out, too, with opening up some at-bats for the young guys. Now, not playing Escobar as much would help out also, but we all digress on that. That ship has sailed. We're going to let him finish out this month, enjoy him being a Royals Hall of Famer someday, 
send him off as he deserves with a standing O and, you know, send him strength and love as he goes forward in his career. I don't know why it sounds like a funeral right now, sending strength. <laughs> Didn't mean to, but you know what I mean. So it is what it is. We all know that Alcides Escobar shouldn't be playing more than once or twice a week, but doesn't help when he goes out and gets three or four knocks like he did yesterday in a game. But anyway, for the rest of this year, we'll see what happens with the outfield, especially next year, though. It's going to be interesting, isn't it? Because, again, if you assume that Jorge Soler will be healthy, you've got to think him and Jorge Bonifacio will rotate at the DH, one of them. But then one of them is going to be in that corner outfield spot. You've got Alex Gordon in left field for one more year. And then you've got Goodwin and Phillips, who I'd like to see play in center. So it looks like going into spring next year, it'll be an interesting battle between Brett Phillips and Brian Goodwin to see who is the starting center fielder with Gordon, Soler, and Bonifacio, your DHs and corner outfield spots, respectively. And then down the road, of course, the reason I say, you know, you might think, well, you're being a little quick here, dismissing Jorge Soler if he's hurt again next year. Not really, though. A guy that's getting towards his mid to late, well, towards his late 20s, on his mid 20s, towards his late 20s. And with the amount of the outfielders the Royals have on the way, you know, I'm very excited. In a year or two to start seeing some of these kids from the minor leagues coming up, your, your Blake Perkins, maybe your Donnie Deweezes. Um, you go down the line even further. You've got, of course, Sully Matias, on and on. So I just kind of, the way I look at it, and Kali Ali, of course, I kind of just look at it if Jorge Soler can't get things going next year. At that point, the Royals have some other options with Phillips and Goodwin on top of all the guys I just mentioned. It'll be interesting to see, though, what happens next year with the outfield. Now, six-man rotation news. Ian Kennedy about to come off the DL as of tomorrow, come back up to KC, as will a number of other guys. Six-man rotation, I'm fine with it to end the year. Kennedy and Duffy, of course, have, have battled injuries. Duffy only missed one start this year, so he's been pretty durable this year for him. So good job by Danny there. But, you know, you those two can stand having one less start the rest of the way. Brad Keller, that's fine. Watches innings. Nobody's on a strict inning count, by the way. It's not about that. There's nobody that they want to cut off innings-wise. All these guys are fine to finish out the year in a five-man. But why push Kennedy and Duffy and even Keller to that point? Lopez, who's still building back up his stamina, saw him throw a gym yesterday against Baltimore. Seven innings for Lopez. The big number to me wasn't the eight Ks. That was big, but it was the zero walks. That kick and throw strikes, keep guys off base from the free pass. He's going to have a very nice chance to be a Royals reliever or a Royal starter, although I do think his future probably resides in the bullpen, but it would be much better if he could find himself a place in the rotation. But you have to kind of take this watered down Baltimore Orioles lineup not playing in Camden Yards on top of that with a grain of salt when you consider that outing. It's a nice outing, but let's see him keep doing it against some other teams. But yeah, Lopez, you got in there, and of course you have Junis. I'm fine with him getting one last start. Heath Fillmeyer is what he is. I keep com- comparing Heath Fillmeyer to Mike Wood, who pitched four years in the big leagues, retired back, well, didn't retire, but his last season was back in 2007. A lot of people may not remember Mike Wood, so I, I kind of tweet that and no one says anything because I think nobody really knows who the hell Mike Wood was. But Heath Fillmeyer, a guy, well, first of all, let's talk about Mike Wood. Mike Wood was a a tweener. He wasn't good enough to be in the rotation, and he was kind of too good to be a long reliever. Obviously, that's not true since he pitched four years in the big leagues. But one of those guys that wasn't a starter, wasn't really a long reliever, just one of those swingman types. And that's what I see Heath Fillmeyer becoming. Mike Wood couldn't miss bats during his career. 344 innings, 183 Ks. Heath Fillmeyer, 58-plus innings, only 36 Ks. Strikeout numbers are similar. Both guys had trouble with command and throwing strikes. Heath Fillmeyer's got a 1-4-0 whip. Mike Wood was 1-5-8 during his career. 
So neither guy strikes anybody out. They both struggle with the walk. They both look similar on the mound. I see a little. I see a little Tim Hudson actually and Phil Meyer from the delivery. And I'm not comparing the stuff. Not comparing the the upside or the future. I just the way they look out there. I see a little bit of Tim Hudson. But I think performance wise, Heath Phil Meyer is Mike Wood, and I'm not too excited about that. Uh, Phil Meyer a 4.01 ERA this year, which should be more like in the high fours. He's been pretty lucky. So far, Michael Wood with a five four nine for his career. If you're wondering, so that's my comp. No one else will probably ever know who the hell Mike Wood is or care. But Heath Fillmeyer is Mike Wood, aka he's not part of the Royals' future down the road. Mebris Valoria, nice seeing him get called up all the way from High A Wilmington. I was pretty surprised about that, as were many others. A guy that I saw play last month during my trip to Wilmington. Great receiver. I tweeted that back after watching Wilmington play the Salem Red Sox back in late July, and then. Saw Jeffrey Flanagan tweet out that he'd spoken to a scout yesterday that said he's 21 years old and already a better receiver after three innings. The scout could tell than probably two-thirds of catchers in the American League that are backups. So, Mibris Valoria, already good enough to be a backup catcher defensively in the major leagues at the age of 21, never playing above high A. And that's a great thing. It's a beautiful thing. You look at the catching situation, and I had the honor of broadcasting and hanging out with Salvador Perez this Saturday. Got to speak with him for quite a while. All as humble um, always funny is Salvador Perez, but of course he spearheads and leads the catchers for the Royals now and in the future. Salvi, if you're wondering, signed for three more seasons. He'll become an unrestricted free agent in 2022, but three more seasons under the Royals' control with a very uh, club-friendly contract. He's only making $7.5 million this year. That's, I mean, only. I know you and I, that's we're laughing at that, but in, in baseball senses, that's a joke. He's only making $7.5 million. But the next three years, still very affordable. 10, 13, and $13 million the last three years of Salvador Perez's deal. You kind of wonder what's going to happen. And a lot of that comes down to how well he ages. If he's still who he is and gold glove caliber behind the plate and still hitting you 20-plus home runs and still the guy that can stay healthy and be out there the majority of the time, we've seen him break down a bit this year with some freak injuries. Let's hope that's just kind of one of those years where that just happened and it's a fluke and it doesn't keep going. But if he is able to stay behind home plate, we know Joe Maurer couldn't. But if, if he's one of those guys that is able to, like a Yadi Molina, you're looking, of course, at a baseball Hall of Famer if he has five to seven more good years like he's had, without a doubt. Already a World Series MVP. You're looking at seven, eight gold gloves if he keeps us up for five to seven more years. Uh, you know, so this is, you know, starting what six all-star games already so you're looking at a guy that's it'll be interesting in three is what they do with him is what i'm trying to get at because i say it's interesting because you some people say move him to first base but the way his bat is now probably doesn't really play at first base necessarily so i don't know that you really want to do that at that point his value really is that he's a catcher but look at who the royals have coming up through the system now mebras valoria is probably the royals third best catching prospect you know, from the system. Number one, of course, being MJ Melendez. Number two, being Sebastian Rivera. Those guys are both on the Lexington Legends. Valoria, you've got him. You've got Xavier Fernandez down at AA Northwest Arkansas that nobody talks about that I think is having a great year, and I think he's a major league catcher. You've got Cam Gallagher, who certainly is good enough to be a backup catcher, and you've got guys like Bobby Wilson as backup catchers in the major leagues. Cam Gallagher, certainly one of those type, you know, better than those types of guys. So the Royals legitimately... Let's say two years from now, right? So let's say two years from now, the Royals legitimately have Salvador Perez, Mibris Valoria, MJ Melendez, Sebastian Rivero, Xavier Fernandez, Cam Gallagher. That's six catchers that could be starters or backup catchers in the major leagues, legitimately. 
Let's assume one of them doesn't turn out, which is a fair. Maybe even two. Either way, you have a minimum of four legit starting or backup catchers in your system that you control outside of Salvi for six-plus years, even with Salvi for three more years. And you could even... I think there's even a guy like a Luis Villegas who doesn't seem to get much love, of course, because there's so many damn catchers and not enough at bats for him. Even a guy like that, I think, is a one Gratterall type that you could see surface somewhere else and get a cup of coffee in the big leagues. Even Nick Dini's not bad. I mean, the Royals are set at catcher, so it'll be interesting to see going forward. That and starting pitching is the two strengths of this organization, and that's great to have. We talked about that in our last dish. Up the middle, it's all about that. It's all about pitching, catching, shortstop, second, and center. And up the middle, you've got Khalil Lee. You've got Raul Mondesi or Alberto Mondesi, I apologize. you got Nicky Lopez, Whit Merrifield, all these catchers, all these starting pitchers. The Royals are starting to slowly and quietly get a nice little nucleus built up the middle. And that's, to quote Rex Hudler, a beautiful thing. Now, going through some other things I wanted to talk about, Ryan O'Hearn, how about his start? He's a guy that I thought would hit 15 to 20 home runs, more like 16 to 17 home runs in the big leagues. That's what I thought. I thought he was more of a gap guy and like a you know an upper teen, mid to upper teen home run guy. And yes, it's probably not likely he's going to keep hitting a home run every 11 at bats going forward, but... Certainly, Ryan O'Hearn is a guy that you have to go into next year getting every day at bats at first base because your DH, we already talked about it. Your DH is going to be Soler Bonifacio, right? And so maybe O'Hearn, although he did hit better against lefties in AAA and that hasn't gotten him out there much against lefties and hasn't done a lot, did have a big home run against a lefty, obviously, earlier this year. Who can forget about that? But you know, Ryan O'Hearn, a guy maybe you see platoon next year with Frank Schwindel. I don't know. Do you let him hit against righties and Schwindel against lefties? Interesting to talk about that, but Ryan O'Hearn, definitely a guy after having an 873 OPS, again, just 78 ABs, but seven home runs. I mean, he's not going to pace for 50 home runs like he is right now over a full season or whatever to be, 48 or whatever it would be, but certainly Ryan O'Hearn, a guy that needs every day at bats going into next year and a guy you need to find out more about because he's already, I think, has outperformed pretty much everybody's realistic power expectations at the major league level. And again, it's just 78 games but I don't, or 78 at-bats, but I don't think anybody saw Ryan O'Hearn hitting more than 17 home runs in the major leagues for a full season. He's already got seven and 78 at-bats. So it's exciting to see that. Ryan O'Hearn, a guy we've spoken with four times here on Clubhouse Conversation, one of the nicest guys in the world. We're definitely a big fan of his. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that moving forward. Another guy that I was speaking with a scout that I talk to very often. I talk to two scouts quite often. Um... And I keep asking him about Brett Phillips because he hasn't hit a lot since the Royals got him, right? 268, 364, 632, the lines for Brett Phillips. But the scout tells me, I believe in him. There's something in there. He keeps telling me he believes in him. It's going to happen. He's going to hit. And that's why I mentioned earlier how interesting it is because I believe in Brian Goodwin, too. So that's interesting next year going into center field. How are you going to find both those guys at bats? But Phillips, a guy that has all the tools, right? What, got an 80 arm, 70 arm out there on the outfield? Same thing, 60, 70 speed. Young, plays the game the right way. I mean, if, if he starts hitting, the Royals have themselves a legit guy for several years to go in the outfield. So that's exciting to see. You know, when you when you daydream a little bit two years from now about Khalil Lee maybe in center field and Brett Phillips and Wright, you know, and you get Matias up here later, and you've got guys, like, like I said, Dewey's and Perkins and all these other guys coming up to the system, and, and Goodwin even. So it's nice to think about some of these guys in the future. It's one of the nice things about we keep talking about being in a rebuilding stage is that you can play these guys every day and find out what you have, right? Now, September call-ups, one of the last things I wanted to, to touch on in today's dish. September call-ups, 
I believe there will be nine more guys called up tomorrow as Omaha ends the season today. So actually, it could be tonight. Oh, it could be tonight they get announced, but probably tomorrow. Jason Adam will be back for sure. Scott Barlow will be back for sure. Trevor Oaks for sure. Eric Skoglin for sure. Glenn Sparkman for sure. Jerry Vasto, the lefty acquired from the Colorado Rockies for Drew Butera. Liked that move a lot, by the way. Same scout told me slider comes and goes, command comes and goes, but low 90s with a fastball. Uh, pretty good command, and uh, 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 he competes out there on the mound as well. A guy the Royals have been trying to get for quite some time, actually, and a guy who has just a cup of coffee, one major league game of experience, so and has pitched in quite some difficult environments this year in the AAA there in the Rocky system. So I'm excited to see Jerry Vasto come up. I do think Ramon Torres will get the call up just because he's on the 40. Maybe not because there's a decent chance you don't even see him on the 40 next year. Um, you know, Or you could DFA somebody like that. You're going to have to make moves. To get Ian Kennedy, you're going to move Solaire to the 60, obviously, to open up a spot there. You still have Frank Schwindel and Josh Stamont that I believe will come up as well for the 8th and ninth guys, respectively. So Schwindel, I think, will come up. I don't see how the Royals can't bring him up at this point. 26 years old. He's it's you know just turned 26 in June, so it's it's put up or shut up. they got to give him a chance. He needs a shot somewhere, and it's certainly a guy that you won't see back with the organization next year if they can't even get him into the major leagues in September. I don't see how... He's back next year if he doesn't get the call up this year. You gotta put him on the forty. He's gonna get taken in the rule five, or he actually it might be a minor league free agent. Either way, he's not coming back next year if he doesn't get the call up. We know that for sure. But Frank Schwindel this year, twenty four home runs, ninety one RBIs in Omaha. How about these lines? Three thirty four, five hundred three, eight thirty seven has even tied the Omaha team record for doubles with thirty seven. So I do think you'll see Schwindel come up. A guy that I love that no one ever talks about, the home run power is not there, so I doubt we see Mr. Elijah Hernandez, but I am a big fan of his going forward, along with Arnaldo Hernandez, the pitcher who's had quite the year. It's such an exciting time to be a Royals fan right now, right? We always talked about it the whole year. This was kind of be gonna be kind of the crappy year where we didn't start knowing the future's names till the second half of the year and into next summer. But, but by next July, we're going to pretty much firmly know all the names that are going to be a part of the next Royals nucleus. We didn't really know the first half of this year. We only had a few of them, the guys at Lexington. We didn't know all these pitchers that were taken in the draft this year and the Phillips types, all these guys that have come over. And the Royals, of course, will get the number two pick next summer. A decent shot they could trade Whit Merrifield and get a nice package this winter. We'll talk more about that going into the offseason edition of The Dish when Jake Lutz joins us. Our Rails Insider. We'll talk more about that. Come to that. That's a, a, kind of a hot button topic. What will happen with Whit Merrifield? So, but anyway, the point being, we now have about seventy-five to eighty percent of the names in the system who will be a part of the next nucleus that gets up here in your twenty twenty to twenty twenty-two. So it should be quite the fun time to be a Royals fan going forward. And I hope you enjoy these final few weeks of the season. Have yourself a great rest of the Labor Day. We'll be back in a couple of weeks here on your dish. It's Clubhouse Conversation. Go Royals.